0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, why Microsoft is now the world's most valuable company and something you might not remember about President George H.W. Bush. But first, trade war truce at least for now. President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping had a highly anticipated dinner on Saturday night in Buenos Aires as part of the G20 summit. On the menu was trade negotiations. And the upshot was that the US will postpone plans to increase tariffs on 200 billion in Chinese goods from 10% to 25% which had been scheduled to take place on January 1st. The delay is for 90 days, basically in order to give room for more negotiation. In return, China is said to have verbally agreed to increase some purchases on U.S. agricultural equipment and reduce the flow of fentanyl, even though details on both are still unclear. Now, to be sure, this is all welcome news because no one ever really wins a trade war. But from the reaction, like the stock market surge, you'd think the two countries had actually signed something or at least in greed and principle to resolve underlying differences like intellectual property theft. But the reality is they haven't, and all the happy talk in the world can't really paper that over. So here's an example. Back in July, U.S. chipmaker Qualcomm killed a $44 billion deal to buy a Dutch rival called NXP, and they did that because they had failed to win Chinese regulatory approval. After Saturday night's meeting, the White House boasted that China would now be more open to okaying the deal so long as Qualcomm reapplied. Qualcomm's response, thanks, but no thanks. We're done with that. The question now is if negotiators can do better, can they really make progress in just 90 days? Or is this simply kicking the can down the road for a photo op? In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios financial correspondent, Felix Salmon. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Chief Financial Correspondent, Felix Salmon. So, Felix, let's start. The markets are going crazy this morning on this G20 deal that's not really a deal. So, from your perspective, are they going crazy, or is this justified exuberance?
1: I would actually take the other side of that. I don't think they're going crazy. I think that if there was actually a trade deal between the United States and China, then they would be going crazy. Then you would see the Dow up a 1,000 points or more. What we're seeing right now is a cautious hopefulness that maybe we might be on the road to some kind of a deal at some point in the future, and that that road does not include a fully-fledged trade war. So this is more of a 1.5% rise on hopes of something good happening in the future rather than going crazy because they've got what they want.
0: Axios had your newsletter on Sunday night. You seemed a little surprised that there was kind of this ceasefire. Is that a fair understanding of your perspective on it?
1: Yep, I was surprised. I think the fact that the market is up shows that the market was surprised as well. All of the talk going into this meeting was they're just going to have dinner together. They're going to talk, but they're not going to announce anything. There's not going to be a deal made. And although there wasn't a fully fledged deal made, they actually agreed to a whole bunch of very important things. The Chinese agreed to stop exporting fentanyl to the United States. The Americans agreed to not increase tariffs on January 1
0: to 25%. The Chinese agreements, though, there's nothing actually in writing, right? The fentanyl, the increased agricultural purchase, there's nothing actually in writing, though, right? Does that not matter, do you think?
1: The only thing we have in writing about the lower tariffs on American cars is a single presidential tweet. Right now, there's a lot of handshake agreements, a lot of random things that all we know is like a single tweet and that kind of thing. And again, that's why the stock market is only up 400 points is precisely because we really don't know any of the details of this. And in fact, the chances are that there are no details after all. This was all seemingly hashed together over the course of a single dinner. This was not the kind of summit where the Sherpas had agreed everything in advance and then the principles come together at a dinner to shake hands and agree something which had already been negotiated. This seems to have been done at a dinner.
0: Right. And that's interesting because obviously there had been talk, I mean, going back a couple months ago, that this G20 dinner was supposed to be that, right, that the Sherpas were supposed to be negotiating and get to the point where the two leaders could get together at dinner, shake hands, and if not sign something, at least come to a principle of understanding on the underlying issues. That didn't happen. So what's the reason to be optimistic that now they can pull this off in just 90 days?
1: Oh, I don't think there's any particular reason to be optimistic that there will be a trade agreement within 90 days. I think the 90 day thing was like, remember, the Chinese came out with a statement first and it said nothing about 90 days. It was only the Americans who said, hang on a sec. We still reserve the right to raise tariffs in 90 days. If you ask me to guess, I would say that there's not going to be a trade agreement within 90 days and that tariffs are not going to get implemented, that they're just going to keep on talking. This is a way to mollify the peter navarros of the world the trade hawks who are very suspicious about any kind of trade deal and they're saying well listen we can still go back to the trade war in 90 days if we don't get what we want but i think what the markets are hoping and what most everyone including the car manufacturers are hoping is that that won't happen
0: one of the reasons the stock market surged last week was some kind of renewed dovishness by the fed and and whether you want to believe that's because jerome powell was browbeaten by president trump or not in the actual fed statement the The number one uh, factor, economic factor, they talked about there was trade and prospects of trade troubles. In theory, if there were a trade deal with China, and maybe it's a zero tariff on both sides trade deal, which is being floated today by Bloomberg. That then would actually give the Fed reason to resume rate increases, right? So Trump kind of is in a catch-22 when it comes to the two things he wants.
1: Right. And the thing about Trump is that more than any previous president in history, he judges himself and he judges the success of his administration by the level of the stock market. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Insofar as a trade deal is going to send the stock market up, he wants a trade deal. Insofar as that's going to cause Jay Powell to raise rates another 50 basis points. Maybe he's less excited about it. But ultimately, I think the Fed raising rates because the economy is strong is the kind of rate hike that you want as a president.
0: Felix, finally, what's your sense of China on this? There's a history, and it's been talked about, you put it in your newsletter, John Swan did too, of China talking a good game when it comes to being willing to make concessions, for example, on things like intellectual property theft, but really talking that good game just to delay any negative action for them, that they just kind of slow walk these things. Do you believe there's reason to feel China might actually impose fundamental changes on things like that?
1: I think there are two reasons to be a little more hopeful. One is actually that Trump has proved that he is willing to damage his own economy in order to get into a trade war with China in the way that previous administrations have not been. He's happy to impose these tariffs. He's happy to impose that pain on manufacturing in America just because he hates trade deals or all the previous trade deals. So the Chinese are now dealing with someone who is not entirely rational, and that helps his negotiating position at the margin. So they might feel that, and this is the second point, that given that they're going to have to do these things at some point, and I think everyone understands that they're going to have to have some kind of an intellectual property regime, they're going to have to start becoming a developed nation as far as trade deals are concerned at some point. Maybe now is as good a time as any to do it.
0: Felix Salmon, thank you very much for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Microsoft, which on Friday leapfrogged Apple to become the world's most valuable company. Yeah, Microsoft. So first, remember, the official market cap leaderboard thing doesn't really matter. There's no prize for coming in first, and it could obviously flip by the end of today or tomorrow. But what does matter is what Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, who took over in 2014, what he's done to successfully transform the company into a cloud computing giant. And the biggest success there was transitioning Microsoft Office into a subscription product and also cutting bait on his company's costly effort to rival Apple and Android in the mobile phone space. So Nadella is often over overshadowed by rivals like Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook, but what he's done is no less impressive. And finally, in all the talk of the passing of former President George H.W. Bush, one more accomplishment that's been overlooked. So in 1990, Bush supported and signed into law a bipartisan piece of legislation called the National and Community Service Act. It was an outgrowth of his 1,000 Points of Light initiative, something that President Trump recently mocked, basically out of ignorance. And it was focused on domestic volunteerism and ultimately led to the establishment of AmeriCorps under President Clinton, through which one million Americans have now served, tutoring in schools, rebuilding things, working on homelessness initiatives, et cetera. And honestly, it is one of President H.W. Bush's most lasting legacies. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national roof over your head day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.